Okay, here we are again. We're not singing anymore. The second wave. Mm. Second wave. Um, so we started this in lockdown just to keep in touch between ourselves, keep active. Uh, we used to pick a theme uh, and reflect and, and, and talk about that theme in football and music. But now we've decided, as we're in lockdown too, um, what we'll do is we'll just reflect on the week in lockdown. So we won't pick a theme but things we've been looking at, things we've seen, things of interest, things that might be interesting for other people to either look at, find out, listen to. That's sort of what we're, that's, that's what we're doing. This particular uh, pod that we're doing tonight is, is just focused on music. And as I say, it might just give people something to hunt out or enjoy, which might just be ourselves, of course. Yeah. Uh, so we but have enjoy probably quite a few people. Don't, don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so just to remind everybody, there's me in uh, Sheffield. I've got Charlie up in Gateshead and uh, Tony in Leeds. And I think you're going to kick us off tonight with something that you've come across this week in lockdown, uh, Charlie. Uh, I am, chaps. And I want to raise the tone a bit. Raise tone? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah, go on. Raise the tone. Yeah, yes, I'm going. I'm going to culturally, and uh, you know that uh, I'm trying to think of what what the comedy program was. You know, but there was a segment where um, oh, I've forgotten guy's name now off the top of my head, but he goes jazz. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to talk. Uh, well, hopefully, briefly about about jazz. Uh, and I, I know it's like one of those um, music things, which, you know, it's like Marmite, either you, you, you love it, hate it, or you're in between, or there's some stuff you like, like, uh, you know, um, Dave Brubeck and, you know, stuff like that, you know, soft jazz or whatever. Anyway, it's just that um, I spotted that there was a, a documentary about Ronnie Scott. And Ronnie Scott is one of these characters who, um, a jazz musician, a sax player, and had owned Ronnie Scott's club in partnership with with another guy, Peter King. So, you know, even though people aren't really aware of jazz, they may well have heard of of Ronnie Scott and Ronnie Scott's club as being, maybe as if you visit London, you know, a a place to possibly visit. And uh, I'm going to ask you later on, Jeff, about about that, because I believe you've you've been there. I have. uh, Anyway, there was this documentary, it was on BBC4 last week, and it was simply entitled Ronnie's. Uh, if I start with a bit of trivia, though, before I get into the Herbie Jazz yeah. side of things. <laughs> now, he played on a Beatles number one. Oh. It was a sax solo and probably or possibly the only sax solo on a, a Beatles record. Uh thinking Sergeant Peppers or something like that, maybe? No? No, you're, no, you're, you're a bit later. A bit, a bit later than that, all right. Uh-huh. No, go on, I can't. Go I can't. on, Charlie. Lady Madonna. Oh, Lady Madonna. Sorry, I'm yeah. miles off. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Lady Madonna, and, he, uh, and apparently uh, he wasn't too happy with Paul McCartney. Well, who was his? Ah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> horn charts were crap. <laughs> but... Presumably, and I thought, I wonder if you got musicians' union rate for, for, <laughs> for doing, doing it. it. <laughs> yeah, but nevertheless, there was there was a, there was a, a jazzer. I think he'd, he'd been running Ronnie Scott's club for about uh, seven, eight years or whatever, you know. But anyway, that's that's that was just like the bit of trivia. Yeah. But in a way, it's kind of connected to uh, to what attracted me to the. Uh, to this film, this documentary, I, I just thought it was um, a really entertaining view of things. And it's almost like if you wanted to um, watch any any documentary about music, you know, and you're not particularly interested in country music, you might watch about the Grand Ole Opry, about yeah, a bit yeah. of history, about the old footage, the black and white photographs, you know, the things about the nostalgia side of things. But there was very definitely a story to tell around Ronnie Scott's club. 
And like I said, jazz is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but I think it, it would interest most people. I think mm. if you decide to sit down, watch it, open mind and all, all the rest of it. No, I was just saying, Charlie, I think, uh, funny enough, I'm going to talk about a documentary I was watching as well. There's actually, right. a little, there's a little, there is a slight jazz theme to it as well. But I think one of the things I've learned is that a lot of these music documentaries, who, whoever they are about, are really interesting. I mean, some yeah. aren't that well done, but a lot of them are really worth an hour of your time. Um, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're looking, scratching around for something. I, I once looked at one, there was one about Herman's Hermits on Sky Arts. You know, you're thinking, well, oh, right, right. you know, I've got no interest, really. You know, a, a couple of songs from when I was literally a child. But it was really interesting because it was about them and how they got going. Oh. And, and, and that's what these, I think, the good ones do. They, they, they say, well, you don't need to like this music particularly, but, but there's often a fascinating story there. Yeah. To, that's mm-hmm. just, just go with it. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to think, uh, like a lot of these things are... About social history. Yes, they are. Yeah, absolutely, um, they are. You know, be, be it whatever, whatever era, uh, whatever form of music, you, you, you pick something up about what what life was like mm. uh, yeah, back yeah. in back in those days, and for those particular ind- individuals, and so on. You know, mm. and and I think that's that's what comes across in this uh, in, yeah, in this documentary. And, and the interesting thing was for me, it was always on the brink. This club about financially about whether it was going to stay afloat or not. And, uh, and because uh, Ronnie Scott and the people who ran it uh, were overly generous, so people would come along to the club or whatever, and it's like, oh, drinks are on us. No, you blah, 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 blah. You know, so as, as a born concern, it was probably precarious at times. Ronnie Scott was the dreamer. He was the real musician. That's what he wanted to do, yeah. you know, and, and they, they followed a dream him and this other guy called Peter King, who was another sax player. And it's, it's without going to the whys and wherefores, it's quite an interesting story about how they, they went to America. They used to work, work on, the, uh, on the liners in bands, could spend three or four days in New York before they returned to London. So they crammed it in, you know, they never slept. They would, they would go and see all the, to all the clubs in New York and catch as many of the jazz greats as, as they could, you know. Yeah. And I think... You know, so in that sense, it, you kind of can identify with it in that, you know, what were you like when you were young, you know, and what, what you wanted to do and what you wanted to pursue yeah. and, and, and the, the people that you wanted to see. And it, it comes across very well uh, in, in that regard. And the, so, again, one of the interesting things was that I think Ronnie was the dreamer and his partner, Peter King was like the hard-nosed one who, who didn't suffer fools or whatever. Um, and it was a very loving relationship. They had a great friendship. Uh, and it, that comes across very strongly. And, and about when Ronnie Scott eventually passed away, you know, that uh, his partner was, uh, was bereft. And his partner, Peter King's wife, talks about that and about, you know, the, the, the sort of depth of feeling about, the, you know, they started this enterprise off together. Um, they, could, they could get up each other's noses uh, from time to time, but but the relationship was actually, you know, yeah, truly, yeah. you know, like rock solid, you know. Um, so there's a bit of music to play. Yeah, it ain't really Madonna. No, <laughs> um, he, was a, he, he was a great footballer, though. To be fair, he, wasn't he? Wasn't he, he? Was. So do you want uh, me to play that now, then? Yeah. Yeah, please. Okay, let's see what we've see what we've got here.
So that's Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, a track called So What, and it's from an album uh, called Kind of Blue. Kind of Blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably recognised. Classic. Like, yeah, Jazz Aficionados has been possibly the greatest jazz album of all time, and it's certainly a favourite of mine, and it, yeah. it moves me. Yeah. I play it fairly regularly, and it, it always moves me. A good pal yeah. of mine, a good pal of mine, sent it, sent me a, a WhatsApp the other few, a couple of months back. Start a lockdown. Just said for the, for no reason at all. I've started listening to this again, and it was kind of blue. Right. So, uh, yeah, great. Yeah, beautiful stuff on it. Mm. People weren't particularly drawn to uh, uh, to the club because of British jazz, which is you know, it's not to say British jazz was you know. Uh, not good, but I think it was more the romantic notion you could get these people from the States, and bear in mind this is like the early, you know, like 60s, um, and so on, you know, so it was mohair suits and uh, black jazz musicians, you know, who yeah, could, yeah. could cross and white musicians as well, but, you know, essentially it was like how people were drawn uh, to that music, you know. So I'm not going to analyse what, what, what no, this no. documentary is. is Go watch it. Go oh, watch it, is what you're saying. Like I say, about the social history of things, because it, the club opened in 1959. It's still going. At that age, it was the era of, you know, Christine Keeler, mm -hmm. the Perfumo Affair, um, the craze. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that, that's what it is. I think it's just a terrific film. The travails of, of running a club, great footage and photos, social history, and contributions from people like Quincy Jones and Georgie Fame. Um, and there's a, there's a great shot towards the end of it of Nina Simone playing there. I think it's 1985. Wow. And this is where I'm going to ask you, Jeff. Right. About your, your experience of, uh, of going there. Because I've, I've never been. Oh, well, I'd recommend it if, if, if you're ever in London and we can ever go into a club again. That's fantastic. <laughs> I've, I've, my pal, my good friend of mine is a member there. So... He took me in for my six, first time I went. I was with my sixtieth birthday, and, right, yeah. uh, uh, and that was something else. It's a great atmosphere. We talked about the Fiesta Club, Tony. You know the old supper mm, clubs. If you can imagine the Fiesta Club cramped down, yeah, you know, smaller and tighter, little tables yeah. with lamps on, no food. Well, there is food actually. You can have food, but uh, but uh, uh, I saw I saw I've been with him to see the Charles Mingus big band. Which, oh, oh God! I didn't realise that. Oh, they, which was amazing. And I, again, like you, I'm no aficionado of jazz. I wouldn't, you know. But wow, it was just, just something else. These young players, and uh, they, they were they were terrific. Uh, and of course, I went to see the wonderful Larry Carlton. Um, yeah, yeah. Who played uh, played on uh, uh, well a lot of the Steely Dan records. Where, where Johnny, Mitchell, yeah. Johnny Mitchell, uh, Barbara Streisand played with the, played them all, and we literally <laughs> sat sat. At, Andy and I sat at a little table for two with our feet on the stage. He said, "I've got three Steely Dan numbers." He said, "I can't do them all," and we were going, "Kid Charlemagne, Kid Charlemagne," and he was saying, "I'm sorry for you at the back," he said, "but I can't hear anybody but these two guys at the front who <laughs> keep shouting." <laughs> Oh, no, so anyway, that was great. Um, a, a guy I used to work with, uh, worked for an advertising agency down in London, and he was a member as well. And he said, he was from the North East, from Newcastle. I just really, right, right. smashing guy. And uh, he said he was down there, his mates were down, so he took him in, and he went to see Nina Simone. And he said mm -hmm. it was just staggering. He said, but mm -hmm. he, said, uh, he said, we were sat at this little table at the front, because there's, there's, there's an area you pay a little bit more right at the front. And uh, he said at the next table was a guy on his own, you know, just on his own, just drinking whiskey. And uh, he said his pals from the northeast, and I can't do the accent, but you can imagine going, well, you know, when they're like, go and see if he wants to join us. You know, he looks all sad on his yeah. own over there type of thing. Where I, you know, go just ask him. He said, ah, well, we will wait, wait till the interval type of thing. Anyway, the interval came up, lights went up, but it was Charlie Watts. It was Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones just <laughs> sat on his own watching uh, watching Nina Simone. Yeah, so it's a fantastic place, really. Is it? And I, I I saw it was on. I didn't watch it, but I shone on that. I yeah. shall definitely go back and uh, yeah and I, watch I, it. I, I would think it'd be on iPlayer for, for a while. Uh, it will. You'll find it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Mm. It's, mm. What's, what's quite affecting as well is the music that's played in the background. It, it absolutely captured the atmosphere within, within the documentary. Yeah. Lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ronnie Scott died in uh, 1990, uh, 1996, I think it was. He was age 69. And it was like one of those moments in this documentary where it was an accidental overdose of barbiturates described by his dentist. And the issue was that because a sax player and if you haven't got embouchure, you know, to play, um, then you're a bit buggered, really. So it was all about that. And I'm getting, you know, implants and so on. Um, and in amongst that was his fear that he was never going to be able to play the sax again. Yeah. So he was prescribed these, these barbiturates. And anyway... Found dead in his in his flat, but it was this kind of quote from the post mortem uh, that he'd taken an incautious dose of sedatives, and I thought, what what a way to describe it, and uh, what a word, incautious. incautious. So, you know, but I'll, I'll I'll finish off with this, but it's kind of like <laughs> he, he was a third uh, finish. He, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he used to he used to be uh, like MC yeah. at the time when the acts were on. And I like to think that he came up with this the first time, you know, so you'd be at the microphone and guy phones the club, asks Ronnie, what time do you open? Ronnie, what time can you get here? And we've, you know, <laughs> you've probably heard that in yeah. versions over the years, but, uh, but I thought, oh, that's, you know, that, that, that's quite nice, nice to yeah. finish off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, good, worth watching. So have you got yeah. anything else for us, Charlie, or are we... Yeah. Uh... I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to quickly mention there's a, there's an album by uh, Joaquin Kuda, who's oh, okay. Ryan, as you well know, he's Rise My Musical Hero, yeah. uh, and Joaquin, um, you know, could could be in the shadow of his, you know, his uh, his father, um, guitarist extraordinaire, and uh, much more besides. But he chose to be a drummer, percussionist, uh, so he's not in competition with his dad. Um, not living in his shadow and all the rest. And we've seen him play, Jeff. He's, we he, have, he's great. He is, yeah. he, he is a fine player. Yeah. Uh, he's just released an album called Over the Road, uh, I Am Bound. And I found it like a really uplifting album, given where we are in this this pandemic and mm. uh, uh, people feeling down and all the rest. Of it. And this, this is like a smashing album. So... Play a track. Okay, I will. This one's called Come Along Buddy, I do believe. Yeah. Charlie, you can hear his influence on Prodigal Son, can't you? Which yeah, is the last, oh, yeah. the last Ry Cooder yeah. album for anybody who's wondering what that is. But uh, there's definitely yeah. big influence I, there. I, yeah. yeah, I think it's true. Basically, it's uh, he's done songs by a, a guy called Uncle Dave Macon, um, who was a, an American kind of songster, troubadour character, banjo player, songwriter, comedian, and all the rest. And basically... What seems to have happened was that uh, when Joaquin was uh, was a, a band, his dad used to play these tunes on his on a banjo, and it seems to have stuck with him. Mm. Go forward many years, 
and there's Joaquin got his own two kids, and Raikuda's a granddaughter. And uh, Raikuda's playing the tunes for his for his grandchildren. There you go. So, yeah. so Joaquin has an idea. Uh, why don't I make an album, but I'll do it my way of Uncle Dave Macon songs or whatever. And that that's 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 what, that's what that is. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Finish on scene. Mojo Mag said, a buoyant, a buoyant and joyful long player. Uncut Mag, uh, warm, uplifting and quietly spectacular. And we all need a bit of that. Well, let's just remind people what it was called again. So it's it's, it's Joaquin Cuda. Yeah, and it's, and it's called Over the Road I Am Bound. Over the Road I Am Bound. Okay, so that's one, one to be looked up a for a bit of joyful, yeah. uplifting, yeah. lockdown two-wave yeah. listening. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. what I thought, Charlie, that of been just back to your your first story about what, what a life to have if you're a musician, or just mm. playing on the playing across the Atlantic. Yeah. To New York for a few days and back out playing again. That that's, just sounds like heaven to a musician. Yeah. Yeah. What Absolutely. a great idea. All right, Charlie. So uh, actually, well, just going back to jazz, um, I think my favourite is is. You've all seen Spinal Tap, I hope. Uh, and I, I, yeah, don't, I yeah. don't know if it was in, in the film Spinal Tap. I don't, Tony, have you ever seen Spinal Tap? Oh, it's, you should see it. It's a spoof. It's a spoof rockumentary, as they call it. It's, about, <laughs> it's a whole film about a, a rock band. It's a spoof. And, uh, and I think it might be one of the outtakes where he's being interviewed and he's saying, talking about jazz. And he's saying, what, what, what's, what is jazz? You know, how do you... He went, well, jazz is is music that's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're a heavy metal band, basically, Tony. Yes, yes. So that's jazz, music that's gone wrong. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, um, we've got one more track for you, one thing that you're going to ask us to look out for and maybe listen yeah. up, Charlie. Do you want me to play it yeah. or do you want me to do uh, I'll, I'll just... Uh, or int- intro oh, it no, first. Go on, go on, go on, go on, Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, here we yeah. go then. There's a lady called Shannon McNally, and okay. I've probably talked to her about it in the past, and it's a song called Now That I Know. And all it confirms, really, is that we all suffer from earworms from time to time. <laughs> and, and that's been my, my earworm for the last couple of days. Um, and she's, she's an interesting character, um, She's recorded with uh, with Dr. John. I think he produced one of our albums, um, and Rodney Crowell. So she has a, mm. you know, ticks against her in terms of our, our quality and all the rest of it. Really interesting career that she's she's had over the years. Uh, interesting read on on Wikipedia, but that's just one of those songs, you know, where you you're doing something and suddenly you start humming it. Yeah, you know, or it's or it's it's in implant in your head. I saw it in your castle a couple of years ago, uh, courtesy of Graham and the uh, the Jumpin' Hot Club. Uh, excellent. Great with an audience. Very entertaining. Um, and just probably, you know, one of those people who I think wherever you're going to be on locally, I'll, I'll go and I'll, see I'll you. I'll go. Uh, and if I was in the States and I was anywhere near, I'd go and see you. I think yeah. I think she's got a Got a lot about her. Great, great voice, great voice. So, so there we are. Shannon, that's, what's she called again? Shannon, Shannon McNally. And that's Shannon a song McNally. called Now That I Know. Yeah. 
Now it's yeah. it, it just just and this, I, yeah. Go on, sorry. And I've, and I've got some olive oil for me to eat. Well, it's very funny because about two weeks ago, I got a guy. Uh, I got a, a message from a. Uh, a, a pal of mine, pal of a friend of a friend of mine, I got to know a guy called Martin Quick. And Martin has been along to a couple of our gigs. And he said, The Heart of Saturday Night. He'd never, oh, heard, right. it, never heard it, heard us do it, uh, you know, our version of it. And he, said, and he said to me, He said, It's really got to me that. He said, It's like an earworm. It's getting, it's getting to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, this was, this was a long time back. And then oh, a year ago, and a couple of weeks back, I got a message saying, Hi, Jeff. Been a while. Bloody, bloody, blah. Just wanted you to know that I finally discovered John Prine. The song <laughs> you sung with the band really set me off. And now, courtesy of Spotify, I can listen to the entire back catalogue. See you soon. Martin. Mm. So that's... that's nice that's, one. That's an yes. earworm, you know? Yes. Mm. Our mission. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't want any... As, as Count Arthur said, I don't really want any credit for it, but, you know... <laughs> You're too modest. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Charlie. Well, look, in the interest of time, shall we move on to Tony? And All right, go on, then. What's been, what's been well, capturing your imagination? I've just been daydreaming this week, really, and, and thinking, well, I started off thinking, well, what new music have I, have I found in, in lockdown? And a lot of it's through you guys. And, um, and then thinking, well... How has music been listened to during lockdown? Has it affected these streams or, or channels of music that we just take for granted, really, and the impact on them? Yeah. yeah. And um, let, let's kick off by playing Somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was the first one I let you have, Jeff. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah. Somebody who got me thinking because I was due to see this guy in. Um, Austin in October. In Austin, Texas. For obvious reasons, in Austin, Texas. And for obvious reasons, I didn't get. But I was so looking forward to seeing him. Okay, let's play it. Cue music, Maestro. So you can see why I was disappointed. I can. <laughs> if I was gonna gonna get an evening of, uh, of, of Alejandro Escovedo, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but one day, it's such a youthful, you know, sound, and and the guy is just about to turn seventy. Very, very, yeah. very soon. Yeah. But it doesn't say anything that Charlie does it. Doesn't say anything that, that he's going to turn seventy. But. I know you you like him, Charlie, don't you? Oh, I do, I do. I've seen him uh, a couple of, two times at least. And uh, mm. just coming back to what, you, what you're saying, Tony, really in terms of, not that the age has got anything to do with it, but there's an enthusiasm that's probably been there throughout his life. Yeah. Um, mm. And I, I think he's a very committed, very honest performer. Mm. Um Plays for his audience each and every time. Wouldn't matter whether it was two people there or two thousand. He'd play for his audience. Uh, uh, you know, you'll get the same, Tony. You'll get the same. I'm sure. Will not not somebody. I, not somebody I, I I know. But I like the sound. I like both the sound and I like the sound of him. Now you've described him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, listen, Jeff. I'm sure you will like it because there's so much good stuff. You know, it's it's. Not many, not many songs that you go through, you know, just quickly yeah. go through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's been locked down for me. It's been some bands are coming back into what I'm listening to, other bands, you know, that are completely new like that one. But Counting Crows, another one, Jeff. Oh, you, yeah. You, yeah. you got me thinking again and listening to Counting Crows and some, some such good stuff there. But, yeah. Um, 
And and there's another one that we'll play a little bit later on that um, that Charlie's introduced me to, and, and somebody that I'll definitely go and see. But yeah, it got me thinking about you know you can't stop the music, as one <laughs> old disco no. song says. Um, but one way or another, coronavirus has come pretty pretty damn close. Close, yeah, just um, yeah. you know, eye to the pandemic, record shops shut, labels are struggling. Um, flow of new album releases just slowed to a, probably a, a trickle, really. Uh, and, and then it started to pick up again and probably is starting, will start to pick up again, you know, as um, record shops opened again. Um, still, shoppers are still reluctant to, to, to visit the high street for new LPs and CDs. I was reading... This article and 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 it surprised me how much market there still is in LPs and and yeah. CDs. Um, but you know we've learned to order music online, I guess, and 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 the way we use music streaming that's that's changed as well. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, record labels. It's God, it must have been it must be really really challenging for record labels at the moment, physical albums. You know, they're big sellers for some of these labels, aren't they? The actual, you know, box sets and and vinyl and that, you know, it's it, it's probably more niche now, but still still big selling in some some yeah. areas. I've, Tony, I've just I just Googled while you were talking, because of what's the value of the music business? Mm. You know, because we're at a time where industries are getting supported because of, you know, trying to be supported and kept going. You know, um, we, we, you know we're talking every day about fishing and Brexit and all the before that. Yeah. In the first half of 2020, the US, in the US, the value of, of, of music retail was $5.7 billion. Mm. Yeah. That's one massive massive yeah, industry yeah, yeah, and yeah. streaming streaming and now accounts for 85 percent of it so yeah yeah according to that their internet and the, and, and yeah. he usually knows yeah that's uh, yeah. amazing yeah. um i mean you know with with customers as well is there's customers of a certain age mm-hmm. um i'm sure contacting record level spent enough on internet you know and and uh and where do I buy? Where do I buy my physical album? How do I buy it? You know, and, yeah. and uh, really, it's, it's been a massive hit for some people. You can buy it on the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can buy vinyl on the internet. You, yes. you can and, and, uh, and go and collect it, but, you know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. so much of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know, we talk about just mentioned about digital music and and, and streaming <laughs> services, and um, you know, even that consumption in this article I was reading, you know, in the in the UK, dipped when lockdown was first announced, um, but it quickly rose again when you got into May and June, um, and then other things changed so that the key times that people were listening to digital music change. So, you know, the six o'clock, seven o'clock commute when people were... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're still in bed asleep. <laughs> um, so that changed at nine o'clock to 10 o'clock when people had come round and they were probably, rather than listening on the commute, they were listening a bit more when they were yeah. starting to work, you know, when they yeah. could. So, so subtle changes like that. Um and how people listening. So, so you know, rather than from the mobiles, the streaming services then were starting to be listened through televisions, game consoles, smart speakers, instead yeah. of their mobile devices. So, so I think streaming, you know, streaming organisations have seen these these changes as well. Sure. No, it's not surprising, is it? But no, know, no. just taking a step back to, to see what effect it's had on our <clears> listening. <throat> Social history, as uh, as Charlie said. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like, it took a dip early on, but by June and and mid-lockdown, 
music streams were 63% higher, it says in, in this article, in June yeah. than they had been in March. Wow. So, so it took a bit of time to, to build in. Yeah, in its way through, yeah. It's, it's going to be one of those interesting things, isn't it? You know, when things get back to normal, is to, you know, does streaming become the dominant side, side of things rather than like the, the physical ownership of uh, of a CD or, or vinyl for that matter? Mm-hmm. And I dare say, if, you know, figures wise, that's, that's, you know, like younger people and what their preference is and all the rest of it. Whereas I still hunger for a, something to touch, feel, and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah. But you know that that, that maybe there's a, there's there's going to be a happy combination of the two. It's interesting because vinyl, you know, the, the selling point seems to be, you know, with vinyl, you know, when we would buy LPs, and it was just a black thing on it, you know, on the turntable, and yeah. then occasionally you'd get the uh, the album that was being um, remastered, and it's on 180 gram. Blah blah blah, vinyl or what? Coloured, coloured vinyl. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. you know. <laughs> and now, the selling point seems to be, you know, the high grade of the vinyl, which then justifies maybe in some cases paying about thirty pounds for a vinyl album. Yeah, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not not saying one one way or the other, but it's just interesting how the the marketing of things and people's receptiveness, you know, to think like that suggests that. Yeah, well, hopefully there, there, there continues to be a market for vinyl. Um, well, there has you know, been it. And, and Dan said it makes it come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Dan said... Sorry, Jeff, do you think it's part of this, you need, you, you know, a certain generation wants something physical to, to have, like, yeah. uh, or is it the sound that, vi- that you get with vinyl? Oh. I, 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 I suspect it's, I don't think it's a generational thing. If you go back 20 years, most industries were saying, you know, they segmented on age, you know, so people of this age yeah. like that. So, and, and they've moved into, into, into types of people. And, uh, mm. and some people and many, many people will want to consume music easily and that's that's why digital will be very very high and, yeah. and streaming will be very very high because people just like good tunes and they just want to listen to them and that's yeah. that it's but like it's, anything Jeff, to instant but it's cash we, we don't want to be fiddling fiddling or people, yeah. young people won't want to be fiddling around with cash in the pocket will they it'll be you know yeah. Cut bed back, really, to just just what yeah. we need. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it will be. I think you're right. Predominantly young people, but look at us. I mean, I, I opened a Spotify account two or three years ago. I mean, yeah. everything we share is on Spotify. There were three yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't cut discs and send them in the post to each other. So, yeah. but you know, we also like vinyl. Don't want yeah. vinyl here. My daughter, you know, a lot of the young kids like vinyl because they like. They like the art of it as much as anything else, yeah. and they like the sound of it. But yeah. you know, Hannah, Hannah, my daughter's got a dance set because, she, and, and I think a lot of young people, sorry, a lot of people like the art and the the decor. I don't think she thinks the sound is magnificent. You know, is somehow superior. Mm-hmm. I think she just likes, like we did, likes having a physical, yeah, physical product and buys into it. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be people that will continue to like. To do that, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, I, I wonder whether, in, in that sense, it's kind of like a, there's an emotional buy-in because of yeah. things to do with the artwork. Uh, maybe it's the you know the, the period that they, they can sort of like re- reflect on about you know like say you and Julie, yeah, you know mm-hmm. where it's uh, you know with Hannah where it's you know w- what was being listened to and what was the medium upon which it was listened, if that's yeah. a, a correct English. Um, and then you'll have the disposable side of things, which is, you know, a lot of like, you know, I'm being dismissive here, or generalising about a lot of uh, dance music, which to me is just disposable stuff. It's there, it serves a purpose, and it's gone, you know, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's it's got no resonance to it other than a heavy bassline, you know. Yeah. So, but emotionally, it, it perhaps doesn't. I mean, that that's that's just my reading of it. So maybe it's the you know how things get divided up into streaming, right? I'll go on Spotify, 
it's an iTunes thing or whatever, as opposed to, I want something, you know, that I can touch, feel, and and, and that connects me emotions to the music as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think I think people will be of indifferent types and, and something. Yeah. But, and also, you know, it, it's... Uh, you know, you, you, you've mentioned people tonight. Um, that, that, sorry, Tony, I forget, I forget how to pronounce. Um, uh, Alejandro. Yeah. Alejandro. Right. So, what am I going to do? Am I going to go out and buy an album because you said it's good? Well, no. I'm going to get it on Spotify. I'm going to listen to it and think: Do I really like it? Do I not like it? And if I like it a lot, oh, I might go and get an album of that because I like yeah. to, I like my vinyl and I like yeah. to do that. So, yeah. I, I think. You know, music's our hobby, but to a lot of people, yeah. it's it's just something that they like to. That's a pleasant mm. part of their life. And however, you, if you access that easily and simply, and that's yeah. digitally, and it's as you say, it's there's not a great emotional connection mm. to it. A, why not? You know. Yeah. 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 And vinyl is specific, isn't it? In as much as you listen to the album, don't you? You. That, you you're, yeah. not, you're not going to be lifting the arm up and putting it on. A couple of yeah. tracks. Yeah, it's it's yeah. there to be listened to. Whereas you know, streamed music, you can you can yeah, just around for yeah. playlists. I mean, we talk, we do playlists, don't we? So we do, that, we do. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I talked about Dave Hepworth last week and his uh, and his books, uh, and I'm just looking. I read another one of his, which. Uh, uh, gosh, books by Dave Hepworth. Let me just see if I can remember what it's called. Uh, yeah, it's called, you should read it, it's called A Fabulous Creation. Superb book, and it's about vinyl records. Yeah, great. Uh, 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 and what they meant to people and why, and, and the whole book is about it. Great read, easy to read, as, as his other ones were. Perhaps I'll, I'll review it in a future, a future pod. Yeah. But, but it finishes at the CD. And one, yeah, of, the one of the reasons uh, uh, it, it finishes at the CD... It's because that's the point in time when you could skip tracks. Yes, yes. Whereas we had to listen to the album, yeah. and we could. And once you start to skip, and skip, and then yeah. don't even bother. Now you know. Yeah. I'll yeah. just I'll just download tracks one, six, and three. You know, and and the yeah. album sort of finished. You know, so it had a life and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not finished for artists, but I think for consumers, it possibly has. You know. Yeah. yeah. I decided when I was doing like the walks in the park and stuff like that, uh, I was going to put my headphones on. I wasn't going to listen to a playlist. I was going to listen to a whole album. In a way, I'd got, I'd got out of the habit Absolutely. of it. Mm -hmm. that, you know? that, that's why I've got. That's why I've got the player here. Yeah. So yeah. I listen yeah. to albums again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I, and do you know what? There's some right rubbish on some of the albums I've got. <laughs> As well, uh, you'd want to skip. You'd want to skip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is, you know, a lot we've not even talked about performers, have we? And and their inability to perform no, during true. lockdown for obvious yeah. reasons. And that's perhaps for another another yeah, day. But, maybe. Yeah. You know, we've slightly overlooked that, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. You know, and the effect that it's having on the performing. The performers, but um, yeah, as true. I said, that's for another day. So let me finish then. Okay. Let me finish with another person that I've been introduced to by you, Charlie, over lockdown. Perhaps in a Shannon McNally mould of nice. of uh, performing. Please play the music, Maestro. Here it comes. Fraser Ford. Yeah. Uh, nice. Who, who would probably be 
due to have been seen around now, I think, wasn't it? In yeah. Yeah. Up north and, and down here as well. So uh, yeah. yeah. So there's another one to look forward to. Frazy Ford. Frazy Ford. Frazy Ford. Yeah. Good album. Okay, Tony, that's good. So a couple, a couple of things for people to look out of. They're just reminders that the two artists, again, Tony, just yes. if anybody's listening to this. Alejandro Escovedo. Yeah. Um, and Frazy Ford. Frazy Ford. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get those on our Spotify lists and start listening to them. And of course, they will be on a little playlist, those two tracks that we played. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, full enough, Charlie. I'm gonna um I wanna finish with something I've seen on t- on t- box on the goggle box. I'll start with a track actually and uh see if you can think who this is. I think it's Paul Weller. It is Paul Weller. It is Paul yeah, Weller. Well, well done, well done, Charlie. It's uh, <clears throat> it's off the Jams All Mod Cons. All oh, right. And All Mod Cons was an album I got uh, in 1978 uh, for Christmas. It was our first year in our first home. Right. And and, uh, and I can remember all the Julie's family coming round to me, and, and they're all going. Who's that? What's that? And it was, and it was, and it was the, it was the jam. Um, but the reason I've just, I picked that track off because it really struck me at the time. Because obviously I was, I was, I, I quite like the jam, and you know, I thought, oh, I've great stuff, and you know, all that. And and there was this beautiful song in there, and I think, in a way, it was a, it was a, it was a foretaste of what Paul Weller was gonna do. In his career, of course, then he was just a young kid in a. Well, you couldn't really call him a punk band, but they weren't far off, were they? You know, mm. they were they were at the sort of classy end of punk, if you like. Um, and and that's why I put it in because, in fact, the documentary that I watched, which was on Sky Arts, was about the Style Council. Oh, right, right. The Style Council mm. Cafe Bleu, right. oh, yeah, which I bought, and uh, I'd really, really <laughs> recommend people. For people not seeing that, Jeff was just in the album up for a I was just I was just showing to the screen the the the, piece, the vinyl, in fact, uh, and uh, yeah, it was on the Style Council, and it was it it was really really a really good documentary, and I, I haven't even finished watching it yet. It's about an hour hour and a half, but I'd go and check it out. Sky Arts, uh, uh, yeah, Sky Arts. I'm sure it was. And I always felt the Style Council was like a stepping stone project from the jam to where he he sort yeah. of ended up a, as a as a performer um and it's fascinating because uh, i thought they were okay this time because i like that album and i'll play yeah. a track from it in yeah. a minute there's, a, there's some lovely stuff on there but it was clearly quite a quite a looking back now and you said it about ronnie scott's sort of social history looking back in time he was clearly looking at and, and he described it as looking for a freedom of coming out of of that sort of jam, right, pop format, and and forming an eighties band that really wasn't stereotypical at all of what eighties bands were like. Although they were quite a pop band in that sense. So, but but when you look back in context, and this thing does it very well, you realise that they were absolute cut above the culture clubs and mm. the, the, the yeah. This, yeah. And uh, 
Martin Freeman was on. Martin Freeman, the actor, you know. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Who I know is a big soul fan, isn't he? And he he was he, is. he, he, he was one of the talking heads. And uh, Billy Bragg was, for all all sorts of obvious reasons, was too. But you know, he was saying how they were a combination of music and look. You know, because they had a real yeah. style yeah. about them. Um, uh, and they were they were they had a quite a European edge to them. They went and shot a lot of the videos in Paris, and uh, which was which was interesting. And they're sort of moving away from that suburban UK thing, which a lot of this jam stuff, you know, uh, yeah. uh, underground at midnight and all that hardness, and into a, a, a stylish uh, thing. Um, and you forget at the time the jam were massive. They were really were the mm. big, big band, and he moved right away from it. I mean, he got a loyal following, you know, massive following. And and that comes to my next track. Oh, it's beautifully done, this, isn't it? It's like I've planned it this way. Okay. Here it goes. Here it goes. <laughs> Glorious, glorious yeah, yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but ever-changing moods. And when I listen to it again yeah. and watch this, I'm thinking, that's what was that's what he was doing. He was really evolving into I'm changing the whole style of what I'm doing. Uh uh he, he worked with Mick Talbot. Uh, they were basically yeah. a duo, you know? Uh, yeah. and I hadn't realized Mick Talbot actually was in up. Uh, he was in a couple of bands, but he was actually in Dex's Midnight Runners for a while, I believe. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's actually a tie-up with Archie Brown. Is there? Archie is there? Brown played in uh, a band with Mick Talbot called the uh, the Bureau. The Bureau, I re- remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Archie Brown had these sort of tenuous connections with Dex's Mid- Midnight Runners. I don't think he ever played with them or, or whatever, but there must have been that kind Some of... Some sort of connection. Uh, Front, yeah, yeah. Actually, Mick Talbot's in it a lot and interviewed a lot, and and uh, he's really he's really funny. He's really interesting. Yeah. He, he was saying, oh, he, he he met with Paul Weller, and he, he I played him this track that I played on, and he said, no, I don't like that. He said, but <laughs> fortunately, flipped it over, and he said I was playing. He was playing a bit of always like jazz piano in it, and he said, yeah. oh, I like that. Right, that's what we that's what we need to that's what we need to do, and. He also played Hammond organ, and he was yeah. Apparently, Paul Weller was really keen on 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 that sound. Uh, and then DC Lee, who was the 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 girl singer, oh, yeah. joined Crazy. them as well. And uh, and he said that just sort of felt right. And suddenly they got this almost mm. o- organic thing of of creating, as he said, a very very a very loose and soul but soulful uh, mm. soulful band. Um, Somebody described him as a, a pop band with substance, you know, <laughs> which I thought was, was was great. And he talked about this album, which I've just been waving at the screen, which you won't get on the yeah. podcast, which is uh, Cafe Bleu, Bleu, which I, I I bought. And and when he describes it, and you you realise how how what a big change it was, because because uh, Paul Weller said, well, you know, he said I didn't, he said I didn't I didn't play on the first three tracks they were instrumentals you know or that might have been parry match or whatever but right. said, and then i didn't sing till the third one and then there was a rap tune on it you know and, and you're thinking oh, wow <laughs> this is this is quite this is quite quite something um and then they talk about uh, going back to ronnie scott's they talked about that the jack they knew because it was going to be quite a jazzy influence yeah uh that it was a risk but they thought it was a risk worth taking and he said we weren't 
we weren't jazz musicians, but we were musicians who liked jazz, and we felt and yeah. they felt that was that was uh, that was coming through. So, so, so every bit of it is really quite quite fascinating, and a great look back on the times. Of course, a lot of footage. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and also, you can't can't ignore with with Paul Waller a very political. It was a very political. Uh, yeah. A, a, um, and there's a couple of couple of things about about on the political side of it. One that made really made me laugh, and the other, as I say, quite serious. But the, the funny one was li- was Live Aid. You know, he was very much in support of the oppressed and all the rest of it. But they asked him to take part in 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 the in the single. You know, do they know it's Christmas? And and Mick Talbot said, you know, it's the last thing he would have wanted to do, and we couldn't understand why he said he would. And I think it was he got the impression it was you know it was his conscience but there's some great footage of him stood with all this lot and you know singing and you can if ever there's a look that says i wish i was somewhere else <laughs> it's on this it's on this thing and it, it almost crystallizes the fact that you know he's there and, and there's quite a lot of you know decent let's face it people have made a good living out of music but not in his league, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it's sort of written on his face. And of course, the political part of it—they were second on at Live Aid, at Live Aid, July the thirteenth, nineteen eighty-five, my thirtieth birthday, as I point out to everybody on that <laughs> same day. Uh, but nev- nevertheless, um, and they were second on. And of course, if if you remember, they had a re- revolving stage. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and apparently, I think it was in three sections, so they'd, they'd set up the next band and the band after them and then they'd spin it round and and that's how they made it work. And uh, Mick Talbot said, uh, we got there early and uh, they said, well, you know, we're not really sound checking anybody cause, but you can do a little sound check in your bit of the stage um, if you want to. And they said... But as it happens, uh, Charles and Diana are just coming in and you can, if you want to, you can go and meet them. He said, and I looked at Paul and we said, I think we'll sound check, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Which sort of, <laughs> sort of, sort of illustrates where he stood on such matters. <laughs> and that's what they did. And they did a pretty good set. Uh, because he then got involved in the whole red wedge thing, and um, uh, and he was very much, you know, he was very socialist in his in his uh, opinions, anti Thatcher, big supporter of the miners, you know, and he he, he quite passionately talks about these guys who, who were heroes one minute, going into the doing a terrible job, yeah. and then villains uh, a year later, whatever we think about what was going on, you know, so he's already. Obviously, uh, very passionate about that and got involved with Red Wedge. But he also said that then the Labour Party, he said, but it wasn't political. He said, I wasn't, we didn't want to be associated with any political party. It was just, we were just out there to support people who were struggling. And he said that the Labour Party got themselves associated with it. And he said, that's finished it for me because they were politicians. He said, and they... That's <laughs> They turned out to be exactly as I imagined they would be, i.e., mm. you know, just hanging on to the to the coattails. Um, so, um, but you know, you, if you listen to, and I'll play one more track.
just let that run to the walls come tumbling down because that's a pretty much yeah. fair, fair expression of what that it was all about really and listening to that again um, really brings me to what I, what I thought was really so clever about what they were doing they were they were a, there was there was a bit of punk in there bit of you know there's a lot of soul in there there was a bit of jazz in there it was uh, pretty incredible really I think I think there were a lot I mean, they weren't around for long, and it did no, move on no. to something else. There was a lot of real quality stuff in there that I'd sort of forgotten about, really. And then so he that, went on and on and on and on. And yeah. on and on and on yeah. and on and on. And yeah. he comes over as a decent bloke as well, I must admit. Yeah. And so that, so I'd recommend it. Sky Arts, uh, Style Council. You'll, again, you'll get it, it. Well, if it's Sky Arts, it'll be repeating and repeating and repeating. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah fascinating. So go check it out. All right, good. Will do. Yes. All right. So does that uh, bring us to the uh, to the end of this week's little pantomime? Got a few things to go and check out. The Ronnie Scott's thing sounds sounds wonderful, Charlie. Check out. Yeah. Sky Arts yeah. and, and it, it's, it's yeah. In some respects, Jeff, what what reminds me of it? I, I didn't mention it earlier. It's completely different, but in a way, it reminds me about uh, Graham in Jumping Hot Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there isn't, there isn't physically a Jumpin' Hot Club. Yeah. There are various venues and locations or whatever. But Graham um, and his, his pal Adam uh, followed a dream. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's what Ronnie Scott did. I mean, they're very, very different and, you know, and degrees of fame and all the rest of it. But, you know, the same basic principle there. Yeah. Follow, follow your dream and that, that, that's what they did and yeah, yeah, and it's uh, admirable. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's that's it for tonight, and uh, so we're back next week. I think we're on football next week. We'll see what odd and unusual and it's probably not even happened. Yeah. It's probably not even happened. Let's see what we can find for next week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you, you soon. Then. Right. Take, well, take care. Take care. Bye. Turns to